of God's grace. And the text is from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Um, last week, Pastor Paul spoke about um, the encounter that Apostle Paul had with God and how it changed the course of his life. And um, today I'll be sharing my story about the encounter I had with God and how it changed the course of my life also. Um, it's a privilege to share the Word of God with you. It's a privilege to share my testimony. And I'm always happy to do that because I believe it will encourage someone here today. So uh, but before I go to my testimony, I just want us to go into the Scriptures to look at the foundation on which all the experiences that we have with God are based on. So in the book of Ephesians, when Paul heard about the faith of the Ephesians, he gave thanks to God and he prayed that their hearts might be filled with divine light so that they might come to the knowledge of three things that God has done for them. So I will read from Ephesians 1 now, 18 to 21. Uh, it says, I'm reading from the ESV translation for this particular, particular passage of the Bible. It says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remember of glory in my prayers that God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the measurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. According to the working of his great might, that he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rules, authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So, in this place, you can see that Paul was praying for the Ephesians and that they might come to the knowledge of three main things. One is the hope to which God has called us. Talking about the future, the hope to pray that they might be in eternity with Christ. Again, he prayed that they might know the riches of God's glorious inheritance in his people. And thirdly, he prayed that they might know the immeasurable greatness of God's power towards us who believe. And he said this power is the resurrection power of God. So it's according to the power that God exerted on Christ when he raised him from the dead. So that means the power that God exerted towards us, those who have believed in Christ, is according to that resurrection power that God exerted on Christ. When Christ was lying there in the grave, cold and lifeless, because of our sins, God raised him from the dead. That same power that brought Christ from the dead because of our sins 
It is the same power that God himself exerted on us when we were lying cold, lifeless, and helpless in our own sins. Man, we were dead in our grave of sins. Like a dead man could not, cannot help himself. The same way everyone that came to this world is born a sinner. He needs the power of God. He needs the grace of God to bring him from death and bring him to life. So, in the light of this, let's see what God did for us. Because Paul used Jesus as an example, as an analogy, so I can appreciate what God actually did for us in Christ. So, what was our previous state before salvation? So, Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. When he has already spoke about what God did in Jesus, he now turned to us. Says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, not some of us, all of us, lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are by nature deserving of wrath. So, what was our state before we came into Christ? From this Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, firstly, we were dead in our sins. We are not just trying to survive, we are actually dead in our sins. And our death was obvious in the fact that we are unresponsive to God. God put out his laws, but we don't respond to them because we're dead in our sins. And 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So the man without the Spirit of God, the man that's not regenerated, is dead and does not accept the things that come from God. They are foolishness to him. And secondly, he said we, are, we follow the world and we are under the control of Satan. We are blinded by Satan and we did his will. Second Corinthians 4, verse 4, says the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of God, who is the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So we're dead in our sins, we follow Satan, totally we're disobedient to God and follow that sinful nature. We wanted to do things in our own ways, not God's way. That is a sign of a dead man. So Romans 8, 7 to 8, from the New Living Translation, says, for this sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and, and it never will. That's why those who are and fourthly, it says, we were deserving of God's wrath by nature. Our disobedient nature made us deserving of the wrath of God. 
if you can understand that, that what we actually deserved was the anger of God, was the wrath of God, was the judgment of God. John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. For every unbeliever, for everyone that is not in Christ, just like us, before God had mercy on us, the wrath of God remained on us at that time, but now we have received the mercy of God. And everyone today that does not have Christ, the wrath of God remains on them. So what's my background? Moving to my testimony now. My background was the background of a child that was dedicated to God even before I was born. And um, my father was, I, I came from a, like a mixed family somehow. My dad came from a Muslim background. My mom came from a Christian background. Our own dad was an Anglican reverend. He died like three, four years ago. My grandfather on uh, my paternal side was a Muslim, a king with many wives, 28 wives with 102 children. So it's um, a mixed mixed background. Though my dad started going to church before he met um, my mom, and they decided to raise a, um, a Christian home. After marriage, they did not um, have a child on time, and pressure started coming in from my dad's um, family, and decided trying different things to have a child, everything available to them at that time, to the point that my dad craved to the pressure from his family and they visited a witch doctor. Told them to told them to go to a crossroad, put a sacrifice in the night, and they did that. And they were so ashamed of themselves that um, on the way home, my dad has to apologize to my mom that for putting her through all the stress. So the following Sunday, they went to church and the pastor preached about um, Anna and Samuel. So my dad uh, got that message, and he made a vow to God that if you, if you give me a child who is a boy, he's going to serve you all the days of his life. And so the following month, my mom was pregnant. And um, on April 27, 1979, I was born, and the pastor of that church um, gave me the name Samuel, so that's where the name came from. Uh, so he gave me the name Samuel, and they tried their best to raise me in the way of God. They did everything that um, they knew how to do, taking me to church, money devotions, prayer meetings. They would make sure that I was baptized by Martian. They always say that I went to the water like as a dry sinner, and I came out as a wet sinner. <laughs> because I was just obeying instructions. I didn't have any conviction of my own. I just, they told me to do it, and I did it. And um, my dad kept um, reminding me that 
I made a vow that you serve God. But as I grew older, I decided to do it my way. And um, which is the next thing I want to talk about, dead in sin, I did it my way. So the more I grew up, the more the sinful nature found its expression in me. You know, for the, all of us have different ways of how the sinful nature finds its own expression. But for me, I was lost in different vices and activities like sexual immorality, stealing from home. I stole all my mom's jewelries and sold all of them and to spend on all kinds of lifestyle, drunkenness, addition to smoking cigarettes, cannabis, night parties, among other things. And when I got to the campus, I stopped going to church because I just lost interest in going to church. I found my new way of life. And I remember at the time, I was with my uncle during the holidays and I was going, following to church. It's a very big church, so when everybody's in church, I would sneak out to go and smoke weed and I would quickly come back before the end of the service. Nobody noticed because the church was so big. In school, I was a notorious boy, had different uh, nicknames like Thunder, like Marlboro, that's the name of the cigarettes. And um, yeah, simple put, I did it my way. I lived the way I wanted and I enjoyed living that. So when my, friend found, when my parents found out, somehow they found out through someone that told my uncle, my uncle told my parents, and they were very disappointed. But my mom kept praying for me. But the more they prayed, the deeper I went into sin. Yeah, and um, they never stopped loving me. And they were caring for me, irrespective of my rebellion. Until God had mercy on me. And I was raised from dead to life. And so if you look at that Ephesians again, that when we're dead in sin, God actually did something for us. And that's um, Ephesians 2, 4 to 9. It says, But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we're dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And that's what God did for us. We're deserving the wrath of God, but the mercy of God came to us because he loved us. So my salvation was only by the mercy of, and the grace of God. I later ran into crisis when I was caught in the examination of my practices in, school, in the uni. The exam paper leaked 
we had our connections, and um, I go to the hall with the exam papers. The markings came, leaked to our hands, and um, I was caught. And I faced expulsion from the university. And I sought help in many ways. So I have all kinds of friends that went to courtism and different things. So one of them introduced me to another witch doctor that said he will give you something. Just go to the panel. They will forgive you about everything that you have done. That if you kill someone and you use this charm, you will be forgiven. So I paid money to the man and I collected it. I faced the panel and the charm failed. <laughs> I was given three semester suspension from school. But by the grace of God, I didn't serve a suspension because later on, God had mercy on me. So when all these things happened, I was in depression and um, I just lost interest in everything. My addictions could not help me. The, try, the more I tried to drink, to smoke, to get involved with women, just to maybe put myself out of the situation, nothing was working. So a friend who was a Christian living across the road, so he was a Christian, but he used to follow us to parties. So we used to call him Joppy Pastor. <laughs> so he said, okay, um, let's, we attended my church and um, the prayer meetings. Maybe we can find something out of the place. So, okay, let me start attending your church and see if there's any solution can come out of there. But when I got there, I found out that those Christians were happy people. Their lifestyle was so simple, not as complicated as mine. And, um, yeah, that was the beginning of my own encounter with God. So on a Thursday, September 28, year 2000, I went to the church evening service. It was a prayer meeting. So for me to be able to focus and concentrate when I get to church, I decided to smoke weed so I could pray very well. And um, I was miserable throughout the prayer meeting. And that was the last time I smoked weed and I was delivered by God. That was what I've been struggling to store for years, but just like that, it went away. So, a month after, on October 27, year 2000, I was in a pub drinking and smoking cigarettes. All of a sudden, I was just looking at myself, what am I doing here? And I was ashamed of my action at that time. So right there, I made up my mind to stop drinking and smoking, which was a very difficult thing. For, for some years, every January, my New Year resolution that I would stop smoking this year, I only managed to keep it for two days <laughs> before going back into it. So I said, this time around, that will be the end of it. And um, I also decided that on Sunday, no matter what the pastor preaches, when he makes the altar call, I'm going to come out and give my life to Christ. So it was actually God that was working in me what to do and to will. What to will and to do is good pleasure. So on Sunday, I was in church. The pastor did not actually preach about salvation. 
He didn't make altar call. But he prayed about something there. I said, um, maybe people should, that want to rededicate their life to Christ or pray on something. I just went out, honestly, because I said I would go out. So on October 29, year 2000, at the age of 21, I repented of my sins and I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And the Lord has been helping me through his spirit and his word since that day. And I believe and I pray that he will keep helping me. So for me, I think I can truly echo the words of Galatians 1, 15 to 16. I'm Nikkei JV now. When Paul was writing that, when, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. So for me, I always say that I was saved at God's appointed time when it pleased God. Because I did not look for it. God found me. God saved me. I didn't work for it. It was just gift of God. The mercy of God. And I was very excited about my newfound salvation that I started preaching on campus. Witness to everybody that don't waste your life. Come to Jesus. He's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that can help you. And news started moving around in, on campus that what happened to him? Thunder has become a pastor. And I had another a new nickname on campus that some people still call me today, or some of my friends, Pastor Thunder. And uh, many people give thanks to God because of me. They always say that if God could save Thunder, that I can save anyone. <laughs> and my parents were filled with joy, and they always remind me of the vow they made to God that, thank God, we said you serve God. We are so disappointed that. You already do that, but thank God that you're back. And also discovered that when God saved us, He saved us for a purpose. We are saved to do good works, to do it in His way. I'll be doing it in my own ways all along, but now to do it in His own way. So Ephesians 2:10 says, "For we are God's handiwork." created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Though I was not saved by good works, I was saved to do good works that God himself prepared in advance for me to do. And of course, it's God. He's the only good God. He's the only one that can define the good works, not society, not men. Sinful men cannot define what is good. It's only good work that can define that. So the Lord uses the scriptures to prepare us to do what is good in his sight. And I found out that to live a victorious Christian life, I must study and obey the word of God through the help of the Holy Spirit. So I devoted my life, I devoted my life to the word of God through the help of God. I know that the Bible became my treasure. For the first two years after I became a Christian, between year 2000 and 2002, 
I've gone through the Old Testament two times and the New Testament eight times. I always have a Bible in my pocket, the New Testament Bible, the Gideon Bible then. I always want to learn and to see what's inside and to live my life according to that. I always want to become a nuisance to my pastor then because every time I always go to him, what's the meaning of this in the Bible? One day I was preaching that anytime you saw me come, you want to run away. <laughs> because I would go to him in his office, at home, in the church. I always have questions after I've read anything in the Bible. Because the word of God is so important to us to make us grow in it, to prepare us for that good works. Titus 2, Second Timothy 3, 16 to 17, says all scriptures is God's breath and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The grace of God that saved me from my sins keeps teaching and empowering me to say no to sin and live a life to please the Lord by obeying his words and be eager to do what is good inside. So I discovered that grace did not only save us from to forgive us our sins, but actually save us from those sins and to give us a heart that's ready to please God. Titus 2 11 to 14. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, eager to do what is good. And that's what the grace of God does for us. So I discovered that I'm always ashamed of my past sins and dread going back to them. And I see that as a sign of true repentance. According to Romans 6, 20-21, that says that when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time? From the things you are now ashamed of, those things result in death. So the evidence of the resurrection life in Christ is a heart that is willing to obey the Lord through the help of the Holy Spirit. As promised in Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, when the Lord was promising the Jews in exile what he would do to them when he brings them back to the land. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So I discovered it's through the help of the Holy Spirit that God moves us into obedience. Without God changing our hearts, 
and putting his spirit in us, there's no way we are going to obey him. Because we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to, do, to be obedient to Jesus Christ. First Peter 1 Peter 1.2 says, Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. The main purpose where, why God gave us the Spirit is to make us be obedient to Jesus. It's to make us walk in his ways. It's to make us obey his word. So finally, what is the purpose of this, my testimony? The purpose I'm giving the testimony today is to encourage some people here and to show the to inspire thanksgiving in some and to show the way of life to those who are lost. So, we encourage for you parents who have children who have been raised in Christian way, but follow their sinful nature. I think I can identify with that. I know the pains that my own parents went through. Know that why it is necessary to train children in the ways of the Lord. Christian upbringing does not save. Only God saves. Keep praying for them and keep loving them. And if you have brothers, sisters, neighbors, friends who are living in rebellion to God, please pray for them. Ask for God's mercy. And when it pleases God, it will save sinners by the power of his grace. Like he saved me. And be grateful for those, for those of us who are standing in Christ today. Let us always remember that we are here by grace. So let us always thank God for his salvation. Let us not forget that we are saved by grace through faith. Not of works. No one should boast. What we desire was the wrath of God. But we received the mercy of God instead. So because we have received that mercy of God, we should also be merciful and be patient to those who are still sinners who have not found this grace. We should always remember that we're ones like them. So we should be merciful to them. We should be patient with them. And we should be praying for them. And to those who have not surrendered their life to Christ, repent and believe in Jesus Christ. If you are listening to me here today, or you are there online listening, repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ. There's no salvation anywhere else. Salvation is only in Christ Jesus. He's the one that can take a broken life, mend it, and turn it to something good in his own sight. So if you hear his voice, you know how in your heart. Repent of your sins and surrender to him 
it is him who said, I will be merciful to your unrighteousness and your sin and your iniquity I will remember no more. As for me, I thank God the Father through Jesus Christ my Lord for the amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ do it us all. Amen.